Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and today I am joined by John Salmon in London. John is, just to give a brief bio, this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about, but to give you an idea of his background, he has created an award-winning production company. He's a pioneer of live video streaming from some of the largest music festivals and is now the co-founder of branded entertainment agency, Byte Entertainment. But John and I, John's my friend, that's why he's here today. Uh, we've known each other for, gosh, like 20 years, I think, or something. Um, and it all began because I, I'm a huge fan of his work with, uh, you know, the, the pop duo John and John. Uh, <laughs> I think you were very big in Belgium. Is this right? Yeah, Belgium and Japan, I think. And Japan, yes. Yeah, so uh, this has been an ongoing joke from even before I knew him. Um, in, re- in, in all seriousness, he is one of my husband's best friend. My husband is also called John. And um, before my time, I believe this was like a, a little pickup scheme that, that happened in the pubs. Is this right? Um. <laughs> It, it, when you say pick up, I don't think it actually d- delivered any real, real results. Um, but um, it's something that kept us amused for yes. the um, part of our teenage years. Yes. Early. Yeah. So uh, and and you know you have you have a, a big following at least you know here in my household. Yeah, <laughs> I think our kind of um, our problem was that neither of us could really sing that well <laughs> or. Um, and I know John has tried on many occasions to learn the guitar, um, but, um, you know, that, that yeah. hasn't stopped other people um, becoming, um, selling. That's artists. true. That doesn't always be, that's not always the barrier to, uh, to fame with music. Um, well, John is, is genuinely one of the nicest people that I know. He was a groomsman in our wedding, um, we got married here in the U.S., and I would say, let's see, I got married about um, 16 years ago now, and um, one of the most common things that I have been asked in those 16 years with regards to my wedding is, how's John Salmon? <laughs> <laughs> Seemed to have made a big impression on the U.S. folks at, at the wedding, um, and in fact, the whole reason that this this that we're even together right now speaking and recording is because uh, when I was in Colorado recently, I saw one of my bridesmaids, hi Rena, if you're listening, I would guess she is because she is also a fan of John Salmon and she was asking, how's John Salmon? Um, and so my John was talking about all the amazing work that you're doing as a mental health ambassador in the UK, and it kind of got me thinking, like, ah, this is something we should explore on this podcast. So, um, so that is why John's here. We're going to talk about a very important topic, which is mental health. John has, as I mentioned, he's become kind of a mental health ambassador in the UK, and he's appeared in many talks and media appearances, and he's spoken alongside the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, also known as William and Kate, and uh, Prince Harry. 
And so we kind of, you know, we have a lot of convergence on this topic too. And I think you have so much to offer in the way of expertise and your story is very inspiring um, as well. And in these times, you know, I think it's mental health is always important, but we've had such a crazy year with a lot being thrown at us. So, um, and of course, like mental health also, you know, that's very much tangential to consciousness, which is a big thing that we explore here. So um, you now speak quite openly about the importance of better mental health awareness and how talking can not only reduce the stigma, but save lives. So I want to circle back to that the work that you're doing now and how that's really blossomed in the last kind of three years. Um, and, and that was ignited by the loss of a mutual, a mutual friend of ours, Michelle. Um, and, but that really, and okay, from my perspective, if I'm looking at, at John Salmon, um, the way that I see things uh, kind of lining up, it seems that with the loss of Michelle, that kind of brought to surface some of those shadows which you dealt with in your own life. And then, so in addition to feeling the loss of Michelle, I can imagine that that just shine this light on these painful wounds from, you know, a couple of decades prior. So do you want to talk a little bit about your journey and how this is all, and, you know, just yeah, of, that inspiring? Of, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, first, it's, it's wonderful to be on the podcast. And, um, you know, so... Um, yeah, thanks very much for inviting me on. Um, yeah, I guess it was um, in twenty kind of sixteen um, when you know the loss of um, Michelle getting that news that she had sadly taken her life was I guess the the moment for me where I was angry. And there was a lot of different emotions um, that had come up um, that. Yeah, it was like, why are we now um, in a, a time where people can't feel that they can reach out to get help? Why do people find themselves in a situation that that seems like, for them at that moment, the right thing to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, as you kind of touched upon, like, I'd, I'd, I'd struggled, I had really bad... I was off work um, in my first job around and the turn of the millennium, so kind of 99. And I was in hospital for, um, yeah, a good good month or so, um, and off pretty much off work for the best part of a year um, after having a kind of a psychotic episode and, and, and periods of, of depression. So I kind of knew, you know, obviously personally, that, you know, how your mental health and can fluctuates and kind of throughout life, different life experiences can impact on, on your, on your mental health. Um, and for those, for those years, I was, I was very lucky. I was able to get the right help in the end that has been able for me to, to spot the signs, I guess, in myself where probably my mental health isn't, a 10 out of 10 or, or, or things are starting to slip. Um, but it really was a stigma that 
um, had ex- existed around mental health and mental illness that for those from 2000 on to 2016, that is what had stopped me from, from talking to people about it. So people like John, who I went to college with, they were obviously very aware of what had happened and had been such a great support. And I feel so lucky that I have this small group of friends that I, I made at college that are still friends today, even though, yeah, John may be in the US and other friends are in different parts of the world. You know, we've got, we've got our WhatsApp group that we can have our banter in and, um, yeah, the, the, you know, so it, I think that was a real, you know, that was what put the rocket, I guess, up me to start to, to talk about what had, how, yeah, mental health had impacted me, how it impacted my family, um, yeah, three or four years ago. And I didn't really care anymore. I, I'd gone past the stage where I felt kind of comfortable enough mm-hmm. to, to be vulnerable and to, to be more of an open book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's taken a long, a long time. But it's, um, I think what, what's really, what's been, really has been exciting from it is seeing the progress that has been made in the last few years um, around mental health it's, it's an incredible way to go, but it's 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 great to be involved in something um, where you can see change happening and impact have, have, happening. And everybody that's listening to this podcast, you can have that same impact and change. You don't have to do a lot to make a big, big difference. And that could be reaching out to somebody um, that you haven't heard from in a while or... You know, it could be supporting a, a charity or organisation that's doing, doing doing support around kind of mental health. Mm-hmm. So I think um, it's, yeah, it, it's really, it, it can become quite addictive and it can become, you know, very, yeah, it, it, it's a great, there's a great community of people out there that are trying to make other people's lives better. Um and that stigma still exists today. It's 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 not gone, but at least when I turn on the news and I hear, you know, certain news stories, mental health is now being talked about every day on the news. Whereas even even five years ago, mental health people just assumed that people had mental health problems were either locked up in hospitals or I wouldn't want to live next door to somebody that had a mental health problem. Mm. And, then, and I think now at least we have better understanding that just like physical health, we have mental health and through our life, different different events and, yeah, can it impact and on, on your mental health and well-being. Right, right. And um, I know that that what you struggled with in your earlier years um, was it, it happened after the loss of your, your own father as well. So you've dealt with it. You've dealt with, um, and your, your father took his life also. So you've dealt with the impact of suicide, you know, as a youth on you, and then also dealing with your own mental health issues. And um, so really, you know, kind of, getting hit with it from both sides where, you know, you kind of have that perspective of it impacting you within and without kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, something, you know, I think if you have a 
bereavement in your teenage years or your younger years it i guess how however that you know if is there somebody meaningful in you, your life when you lose when you're younger i think that that, that can that really does impact you mm-hmm. um you know we all will experience loss throughout our life but i think the you know if you experience kind of a real meaningful loss at a, a younger age the that's yeah if you don't get the right support early on i've i've i i i definitely pinpoint some of the problems that I, the reason i ended up in in hospital was because i didn't deal with my dad's death and it was very much like we should be in a society where um as a man you you shouldn't be talking about your feelings you shouldn't be um you know you should be strong and not getting help so it's it's been a real you know that was a real battle for me um dealing with my dad's death because I didn't get help I I didn't go and see a therapist or a counsellor and I know now that if I could talk to my younger self that if I'd done that earlier I don't think it's hard to know I don't think I would have ended up in hospital those those years later yeah, that support is so, so important. And like you say, I mean, I've seen a changing tide as well, where that acceptance, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I think, you know, years, a few years ago, if you were going to say, I'm going to go, oh, I've got an appointment with my therapist, you might, you might not want to say that, or you may be worried, you know, that's a vulnerable thing to say. And I think there still is vulnerability there, but I think there's also like a wisdom. I mean, at least for me, when I hear somebody is, um, you know, oh, I've got a therapy appointment. It's like, ah, self-care. Oh, they're Mm. taking care of themselves, you know? So it's kind of like this, like much more accepting, you know, dynamic yeah, definitely. And I think, um, you know, I think also what's quite interesting is, you know, when my dad died in the 90s, living in the UK, in England, you know, we were exposed to a lot of American culture. So whether that was chat shows or things like Oprah or Ricky Lake or, you know, so... Jerry Springer, you know, I hope. Yeah, yeah, obviously, go Jerry. Um, yeah. And... Um, <laughs> For, for being English, we would look at the uh, an American society and go, wow, they're so open, you know, this kind of British kind of reserve that um, we'd kind of look at the Americans going, oh, you know, if it was Friends or certain certain TV shows that we would be watching would talk about having counselling or therapists. So mm. I don't know, you know, if, if that, that was, for me, it was just... Helping to normalise it, maybe, or... It was to a bit, but it was also seeing that talking about your emotions seemed to be an American thing to do. Oh, okay. I hope that didn't hold you back. (laughs) No, 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 but it was, but it, but it, it, but yeah, if it, it takes a long time, doesn't it, Mm. for, you know, that was... We, to trickle it was all in, yeah of. to kind of trickle in to to, yeah. to become acceptable because it just mm. wasn't you know I've yeah it just wasn't accept it was kind of the, the thing to do yeah yeah well so then we've we've talked about this in a roundabout way but you know in 2016 you and I both had the shock of Michelle taking her life 
Michelle, I mentioned she was a mutual friend. She was actually my sister-in-law. She was my husband John's sister. And and you actually, I was thinking about this, she was your girlfriend for a while there, yeah. too. Um, but you guys remained friends, and you were you were friends, you know, before that, too. So, um, but when I first moved to England, I remember that you, you guys were dating and, and, um, but anyway, so it's, this is a really interesting topic for me on the podcast personally, because I've done, you know, many episodes and I think I've done, I've been doing this for a couple of years now. And I think I've mentioned Michelle's suicide like twice maybe. And it's kind of just not really even something that I've, I've drilled down into. It's just something that it, if it comes up, I may mention it and I may not. Um, but I was thinking about the fact that all this time has passed without me talking about it much, and that may make it look like it didn't really impact me. If you're a listener to this show and it's kind of like, oh, I never knew that somebody in her family, you know, committed suicide, they must not have been close. Um, it, it impacted me very deeply. But so I was kind of trying to tease out, like, why haven't I brought it up? You know, what, what, what's going on there with uh, that? Is it avoidance? Um, and, and so I did some reflection on that. And I thought I'd address it just because um, I don't want to give the impression that this was just like, oh, something that kind of happened in the background and I hardly noticed it. And it, you know, it was like, no, this was like a big catalyst of a lot of soul searching for me. Um, but it is, um, it, it, it's like this very delicate topic mm. for me. And I don't want to be flippant about it. I want to, I want to honor and respect the, the sensitivity around it. And I, I think part of my, the reason that I don't bring it up much is because that's not the topic that I'm talking about. So if I just kind of go there for a minute and then leave it, you know, that seems like maybe it's a little bit insensitive. Um, but you know, there's this other piece to it, which sometimes I'm not, I'm not even sure what to say about it. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's my story too. So from that perspective it's like well I guess I can just say whatever I want because it's my it's my perspective my my piece of the story but then you know there were others who were hugely impacted as well by this and it's kind of like you don't you know we're people and sometimes we say things and we don't Mm. we're not saying it from the perspective of, of another person and it might be the wrong thing to say from somebody else's perspective so it's like I kind of don't want to be misunderstood, and um, so anyway, it's just these these things where I'm like, it's, and I think that that's part of you know what I, I want to talk to you talk about with mm. you at some point anyway is this like as a supportive friend if you know somebody who's going through it and you're wanting to offer that support, I think that there is just generally like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to, you know, it's so is it better to avoid it than to risk, you know, saying the wrong thing? Um, But that's why I was so happy to have you on because I'm like, oh, okay, this is such an important topic. I want to talk about mental health and I want to talk about suicide and and my own experience with it. And um, but to do that with my friend who is kind of yeah. has this expertise in this field um, 
I think that's the right way to come together here. But yeah, so I think um, you know the word suicide in itself is such a powerful word because we don't say it a lot, mm-hmm. right? And you know the words, the words that we don't we use infrequently have more power when they're used. And um, I'd never said the word suicide um, until a few years ago. I just wouldn't, just you would never get that word coming out of my mouth. Um, and, you know, and I think kind of trying to talk to somebody who's either been bereaved by suicide or somebody you think that that's feeling suicidal, it's it's... It's it's almost to kind of embrace the awkwardness of it, mm-hmm. you know. It's actually, I found, you know, to just say that this is this is actually quite difficult, or just yeah. try and start the conversation, embrace it for what it is. That it's not it's not a comfortable-ish conversation to start, mm-hmm. um, and you know whether it's somebody who's who's been bereaved um, that timing is always like when they feel like they want to talk about it they will but if they don't want to talk about it they'll still remember that you you reached out to say you know are you okay um you know obviously thinking about that you know our friend's suicide um or loss and trying you know trying to be to put that hand out because they won't they won't they won't forget that mm-hmm. and um but as you say it's so easy to talk about anything but um but that you know whether it's the weather or um yeah but 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 um but i think i think it is difficult but as somebody that's that's been, been bereaved by suicide and also somebody who's found found themselves personally in that situation where they think right i've i've had enough um i know actually the difference of the people that have supported me in my my lowest stages in my life haven't needed to give me answers they've just needed to listen and and just be supportive and so I think the expectation on the person who's trying to help, they put too much expectations on their on their shoulders to have a solution. But I would generally feel that somebody who's having a particularly tough time, they don't they don't need you to come up with lots of solutions. Mm-hmm. They they need you to be the person to give them the space to try and figure out what's going on in their head. Oh, that's- um, that's beautiful and that's really powerful. It's it's about that connection and letting them know like even even now, even in these depths, I'm here, I see you, I love you, rather than okay, let's solve this. You know, it's it's much more yeah. complicated than that. And and like you say, if we put that onus on ourselves to say, oh, I can only bring this up if I have the magical formula for what's going to snap them, you know, out of it. Yeah. How are we, unless you're like this master psychologist, (laughs) psychiatrist, you know. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, that, that we've all got to, you know, and it comes, it comes from really, you know, 
early ages in life, you know, we've been educated in a certain way, you know, we've got to kind of get to a stage where, you know, the younger people are, you know, we're creating a culture where, where, where you can have these more honest kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's def- definitely one of the big problems um, for people of, I guess, of my age is that it's people just don't know how to have the how to start to have those conversations. Yeah, then, you know, and um, then they don't. Yeah, 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 and and thinking back to Michelle in particular, you know, if we bring our own experience into this, just again from I'm just from the perspective of the listener and kind of fill in some gaps because I think it can be helpful to use direct experience to Mm. kind of paint a picture. But, you know, Michelle was, was a, a beautiful, a beautiful light. She was full of life and fun. And, um, you know, she was very generous and helpful and, tuned in to the needs of others and um and then she you know spent the last few months of her life in despair and she'd been you know she'd been struggling for months and she couldn't there were many times she couldn't get out of bed she felt hopeless sad confused that was one that I didn't uh that surprised me was she would talk about how she went to work but she was just so foggy she just couldn't concentrate she didn't know it was like she was bombarded with choices and options and overwhelmed with that Mm. so that was an interesting side effect that I didn't didn't you know understand until I had you know heard her talk about it and What's interesting, I have such a clear memory. The last time I spent time with her was her um, bridal shower. No, her bachelorette party, her her Hindu. Mm. Um, So we were living in Italy at the time, and um, I'd come to London for that weekend, and we were riding the, the tube, the London Underground, and she was sharing how she was feeling and she was like, I, I don't know why. So that was also interesting. She's like, it's not, I'm not sad about something. I'm not mad about something. My life is what I want it to be. I have this, she was about to get married. She was less than three weeks away from being married. She loved her fiance. She and and he, they had two beautiful children together. She had wanted children for a long time, and so she she had this these beautiful children. She had this amazing partner. She loved her family. She she was she was you know enjoyed her job. She was like, I can't understand why I feel this way, you know, Mm. and she didn't know what had triggered it. And so that just kind of added to this feeling of confusion. Like, why can't I be happy? I have everything that I want. So I offer that just because, you know, we do feel Mm. like we need an explanation for everything. And there's this mystery that can come with mental illness where it's like why and 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 
maybe it's helpful to understand why and to get to the root cause. And it, you know, therapy can help with that to kind of peel that mm-hmm. onion because probably there's some sort of trauma that is is underneath everything that's not not in the conscious awareness at the time. But it can be really sneaky and difficult to pinpoint the cause. Mm. And um, and so I think that's where it comes in with, with what you're talking about, just where we're just talking and just being able to express and be vulnerable and get support and love and for... Um, for you to feel a sense of acceptance where it's just like, this is where, what I am right now. This is where mm-hmm. I am. This is who I am right now. And I don't understand it and it's not familiar, but to have that kind of net of support is, uh, is really powerful. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, speaking personally, when, you know, when I got very ill with my um, mental health and, and, you know, for me at the time, it, it just happened overnight. I, I woke up one, one morning, um, I should have been getting up to go, go into work. And, you know, that confusion, that, yeah, fog of, um, yeah, not, not, not really understanding what's kind of going on. It's, you know, your obviously your brain is such a powerful thing. It's what you know. Obviously, you know, it's a, we and we kind of, you know, there's as you say, whether it's trauma or other things that are going on. You know, sometimes I see the brain's a, a bit like a, a computer. Sometimes, you, if you keep on filling a computer and you keep on saving things on your desktop and maybe you're putting it on standby rather than shutting it down. Um, and not, 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 you know, if you're doing that yourself, if you're, if, you know, if you're not checking in and tidying things up and, um, you, you are kind of storing up problems, um, and they can just, yeah, it's kind of come out of nowhere. And I think especially certain life events, um, so, you know, whether that's moving house, getting married, you know, changing jobs, add another element of, of of stress you know these are big life events um that are stressful and you know for my dad um it was i think a culmination of you know having to close his business down there was a recession he'd got another job um that, that as far as i was aware he was happy doing for a few years um and we also moved house and i think there was that moving house and there being, you know, probably some financial things that to try and figure out mm-hmm. triggered him, and you know, from being again like like Michelle, somebody who's very outgoing and had lots going on, to to their them changing as a person that was finding it hard to concentrate. Um, the energy had fallen away from them. Um, and, and especially, you know, when you see it in somebody that is usually the, you know, the life and soul of the party, the one, the person who, who is doing lots of different things, it's it's, it's quite hard for friends and family to also under, understand that when it, when it switches. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, like yeah. you know, because, you know, we've all got 
individual personalities and some of us are quite quiet and you know whereas other friends or other people quite like to be more the leader and um mm-hmm. and the party but um yeah it's very it's quite difficult to yeah understand what it's like for somebody going through that especially if they've been quite you know outgoing and um yeah as, as a as a person and so you know for 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 me Michelle's death came as a a massive shock mm-hmm. because you know the obviously I would talk to John about I knew that Michelle was getting married and you know for me the the what I would see of Michelle would be on Facebook you know would mm-hmm. be like a oh look you know happy smiley faces mm-hmm. um you know so there was for me that I think that's why why there was that real desire to try and stop it that there would be another person like Michelle that finds himself in that situation that that mm. couldn't couldn't get the right kind of help right um because I guess for my dad it was a completely different era mm. um we weren't even talking about mental health and also when my dad did die um people didn't know how to talk about it to mm. me and the way John and my close group of friends, the way they did dealt with it was brilliantly, which was like, let's go down the pub, mm-hmm. let's go, let's go to gigs. I and, knew the pub would be involved. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and um, you know, kind of helped in a blokey kind of way. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I, th- I think now, if yeah, if that same if losing my dad now in twenty twenty. I know that conversation would there would be more depth to that conversation with my friends now than right. there there were twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, and and I'm just you know this is the the podcast is called the meditation conversation, and so I tend to look at things also from like a more of a spiritual side too. And I was meditating, you know, talking about the depth of, of uh, life and dealing mm-hmm. with, with life. Um, and so as I was meditating before we met, I was sort of uh, re- like just noticing some things coming in that felt like, oh, these are, these are some energetic things that can be offered for anybody who is uh, who's relating to what we're talking about um, with their own personal experience. So I would just like to kind of offer a spiritual lens for this too. And, um, and so one of the things that, that I wanted to highlight is that sometimes these these feelings of of depression and of desperation and hopelessness and these changes that we notice within ourselves can actually be a great catalyst for a consciousness shift that's coming so there are a couple of key um of key spiritual leaders who come to mind who have who their catalyst for becoming, for coming into who they are now, started with 
with, you know, suicidal, you know, kind of being in that like desperation of this is the end. Eckhart Tolle, I don't know if you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle. He wrote The Power of Now and he's he's been with, you mentioned Oprah. Mm. She uh, He's done a lot of work with Oprah. He's a very beautiful soul, very, very wise, wise wisdom, wisdom keeper, let's say. Mm. Um, and Byron Katie is another one where her story of enlightenment begins with her, you know, sleeping on the floor because I believe it was she didn't even feel worthy to be in a bed and a cockroach crawling up her leg. And she just burst into laughter because it was so ridiculous and it completely shifted her paradigm. It was like this, it just snapped her into this other view of reality. But but for both of those, and I'm sure that there are countless more, but those are the two that come to mind, in order to get to their, um, you know, where they are now with their um, spiritual understandings and their wisdom, they had to be in those depths. That was the catalyst. And so um, when we are undergoing awakenings and changes in consciousness, things might come through in a, in a more dramatic shift, which is unfamiliar and can feel like, wait, I don't recognize what's going on. And so I'm just offering that change in perspective of like, there may be something shifting within you and you don't recognize what it is, but it's something that you're going through in order to come into who, who you're going to be. Um, because I think a lot of times we we want normal, we want normal, and it's like this mm. is unfamiliar, and it's like in that may it may be that that something higher is coming through. Um, and if we if we think about everything being energy, you know everything is energy, matter even is energy. This is you know scientific scientifically backed, but you know like even the the computers that we're connecting through are in motion like at a molecular level and so working you know there is an opportunity as well when we're feeling off balance and and like there's stuff shifting to use your energy to to um also try to you know deal with things on the energetic level so so going out into nature can be soothing and healing. Touching a tree, touching it with both hands to complete that circuit helps to balance your energy. There's something called earthing where you take your shoes off and you have your feet on the ground or you lie on the earth. It creates this electron exchange that helps to balance you out. So it's, you know, go out in nature and notice how you feel. Let yourself be mm. in the present moment. Detach from your past and detach from your expectations for the future. And just really notice how you feel and let yourself kind of come into balance. It can help also, you know, to be aware of how you're using your moments. You know, how, how do you feel while you're doing what you do to fill your day? Are you engaging with the media? 
a lot? Are you watching the news a lot? And if so, how are you feeling while you're doing that? Is that agitating you more? Is it helpful to uh, be aware of how much you're on the news, you know, watching the news, watching what's happening in the world? Um, and, and, and how is that making you feel? So a lot of it is just coming into awareness of how you feel while you're doing it. Are you spending a lot of time on social media? How do you feel while you're doing that? Are you feeling competitive? Are you feeling that you're not living up to what it looks like other people are doing? Does it make you feel worse? You know, then become aware of that and change your behavior with how much time you're spending on those things. Um, again, moment-to-moment awareness. What books am I reading? What films am I watching? What music am I listening to? Um, I know the documentary Awake, which is the, um, the, it's a biography of Yogananda, Paramhansa Yogananda's life. I found that was a big catalyst for me in shifting my consciousness. Um, so something like that may be uplifting. Classical music has a, an impact on the brain and the chemistry within the brain. So it like, um, it has an uplifting effect on your energy and it, it is scientifically proven to help uplift your, and to change your brain. Um, there is an artist called, uh, source vibrations that they do. They use solfeggio tones. You can also YouTube solfeggio tones, but these are vibrations that use specific frequencies that uh, work within the body to shift things in your consciousness. Um, music like Michelle Cresci, who has been a guest on the podcast, um, Geraldine Glass also, um, we I have an episode with her. Both of them are working with that type of uplifting music, but it even goes beyond that. Like it's, it is working with your uh, energy to kind of help you come into balance. So there are, there are other, you know, I'm just, I've just felt to offer like different things to look into. Also, you know, if we talk about energy, working with energetic healers, you know, can be another avenue to explore. And, um, you know, there's Reiki, there's reflexology, um, a lot of this stuff can be done at a distance. Reflexology cannot, but, um, you know, I do healing work. Sheree Mason, who's been a guest, definitely listen to Sheree Mason's um, episode. There's Amanda Thomas, who I've had on, and Sally Knopp. So they're all able to work with your energy field, and they don't need to be in the room with you. Um, and so that can be something interesting to explore as well, just kind of um, that adjustment of the energy and, and ex just exploring, you know, it's like, if you're feeling, if you're feeling low, you know, there are, these are just some other tools that can, uh, be explored. And then the final thing that came to me was just remembering that you're here for a reason, you know, you're in this body at this time on this planet Trust that that is for a reason. You chose to be here at this time. And all of our challenges are part of our great journey. Everything that's presenting to us and will present is designed 
to help awaken us and help us to really live the fullness of our life, opening us to our highest potential. And so what, what can shift for you if you allow your challenges to be opportunities? You know, it's, I think, John, that you're a, a, a really beautiful example of adversity that is, has been used and utilized in order to uplift like you you wouldn't have the power of of your story without the story mm. you know so there's such beauty in in that but you had to come out the other side of it you had to go through it there was like an initiation in there of of having to to go through that to, in order to have the authority to be able to go oh I've been there you know, I've I've seen that island, and mm. I let me map it out a little bit for you and help you navigate it, and um, and especially having been on both sides of it even empowers you even more. So you take out that painful time, and your life would have been very different. It maybe had more comfort in it, but you're living and able to assist people in a way that that you wouldn't have had the ability to present in any other way yeah yeah no and I think for for everybody listening who who finds himself maybe if I love the suggestions around kind of the energy and and how to bring that into into your life and the, the simple things that you can do but the you know in, in classical music that's that's like music for me is so powerful and um just just last weekend um i decided yeah just to put on some classical music mm. and just on just on a sunday morning and it just changed like ah oh, yeah and so there's really there are some really simple things that you can do that that can give you that energy that that connection um but there's also times where where you are low of energy mm-hmm. um, like actually and especially if you you know you're feeling confused or or stressed like there's nothing wrong with going to bed right mm-hmm. and there's like yeah. and actually just like the world's going to keep on spinning yeah. and um if you take yourself out of the world for a day to to lie in bed whether that's literally just to do nothing or you know maybe watch a bit of Netflix or listen to a podcast or, or something. But um, we sometimes it is that that checking in on yourself that a lot of people just don't do, you know, yeah. so you're not, you know, the beginning of my day, each day I try to do this every day that I'll just check, check in on myself while I'm making myself a cup of tea. It's how did I sleep last night? What have I got going on today? You know, how am I feeling? And taking that that quick kind of little check in, and it's like, oh yeah, I really did this like the second night in a row. I've slept really badly, and I've woken up at two in the morning. And yeah, I've I've got this call this afternoon that I'm really anxious about or something. Um, I think kind of checking in on yourself is really important because you're kind of like you you become more aware. Whereas I think, especially in the early part of my career. I was just kept on going. I wasn't, you know, if a meeting was coming in the diary right off to that meeting or if, a, you know, if I was going out for 
an evening meal or whatever, you just kind of stick it into the diary. But never did I once check in on myself and say, mm-hmm. oh, how am I doing? Yeah. Um, and so I think we, you know, there's simple things that you can do within that can make a big difference. Um, so you spot those signs earlier. Um, and, and you said some of those lovely techniques of, yeah, um, it's getting a bit cold here, but um, I will I will go outside and uh, take my shoes off and connect yeah. with, with the ground. Yeah, it's so fascinating how, how our bodies work, you know, uh, remembering that these bodies are are of the earth. They're organic, you know, earth substances. Our our spirits are are not of this earth, but um the the bodies are. So they're meant to they work in harmony with nature. And so so doing that connection, you know, especially when you're living in the city, it's it's probably, you know, even more of a like you you need to seek it out. Mm. But um but it, it it is amazing. There's some really interesting data around the effect that it has on on the physical body, and then of course that trickles into the emotional and mental too. Um, and I love what you're saying about like just checking in and and that awareness. It's simply being conscious and not not. It's it's doing life rather than letting life do you, you know, mm. like, yeah. okay, where, where am I floating to next? And where am I being pulled to next? It's like coming into the moment and just assessing how do I feel? How, you know, what's ahead? What's behind, you know, and what can I let go of? And, you know, I think we just very simply even adding in the breath, if you're talking about waiting for your tea to steep, mm. you know, it's, coming in how do I feel and then oh let's take a couple of deep breaths down into the tummy you know let's expand the tummy like coming bringing that parasympathetic part of the nervous system as well is just gonna it it sends an automatic signal to the body that Mm. all is well and so there are these little these like kind of little low-hanging fruit things that can just sort of help to either sustain so, you know, or or um, sustain the the self care, or enhance it, or to help pull up if we're feeling like we're getting, you know, more a little lower or or a lot mm. lower than what we're used to, just to help us come back into balance. And I think it's it's it's, it's creating those stepping stones. So you know, thing like meditation and mindfulness and and yoga all all of these amazing things that are really really good for for your mind and your soul and your body also can be a for sometimes for some somebody especially that's they've they're struggling with their their mental health that they feel like really big words yeah and and um and the, there is a, you know, and that's why what you're doing with the podcast is brilliant because it's kind of breaking, breaking meditation down, and you, you're exploring the subject. But but sometimes for me, you know, as a guy in his forties that hasn't grown up with like, oh, you know, doing meditation, mm-hmm. uh, that feels like a big jump. Yeah. But it was, it was wonderful. Like um, a year ago, or so I was in a supermarket and there was um in one of the aisles was like a a book for 
children's kind of meditation and mindfulness. Oh. And um, so I, I bought that, um, obviously, obviously for my for my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, did have a bit of a read of it myself, and uh, and I think um, you know it's, it's some the simple techniques that you can do around breath work and. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be this big, you know, like going on a massive meditation retreat or exactly. yoga retreat. There, there's and um, the yeah, there, I just think if especially for men as well mm-hmm. to kind of understand that that you don't, you know, that it is really accessible to kind of to do something quite small that can still have a big big impact. Yeah, just simply if you say looking at your breath and. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think that's an important point, too, because depending on what you're struggling with, meditation actually can be um, more agitating, depending on where you are, if it's new for you. And if you're, if you're not really in a space of uh, c- compassion with yourself, if you're really frustrated with yourself, you're feeling a lot of aggravation, starting with meditation in that state it potentially could be too much, as you mentioned. It can be counterproductive because meditation does take um, compassion. You have to come into it with the sense of, "Oh, this is something I'm going to develop, and I'm going. My mind will wander, and um, and if you're having trouble being with yourself in this moment, you know, if that's a struggle, like you're you're just really having a hard time accepting." Um, yourself for some reason meditation may not be their best approach because it, it's sitting with yourself and you you the thoughts will come up and and it's trying to get beyond those um, but there are other things that you can do to start connecting with yourself that aren't as directly um, they're not they're not so they're sneakier right <laughs> than being like <laughs> deliberate about sitting down and being silent and still and quiet, and that may not be what your energy is calling for in this moment. Um, but you know, as you begin to go through this metaf- metamorphosis and this healing, you know, it's something that you can develop into, and it you know, it's highly beneficial for for everybody. But do honor where you are and be compassionate with yourself, um, and don't don't feel that. Don't feel that anything is like the the how to. This is your journey, you know. And so, mm. explore and see what do I what makes me feel better, what helps me to um, what helps to uplift me. And you know, there there are several lots of ways to do that, and and not the least of which is using your support network um, and seeking out charities such as the ones that that you've worked with John where you mm. know for those who maybe don't know who to go to talk to you know I don't know if if there are, are organizations that you're working with now in the UK where people can seek support if it's not obvious where to turn or yeah so you know the, the great thing about um Heads Together, which was the campaign that was put together by the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and, and Prince Harry, 
was the first time of bringing eight different mental health charities together. So, you know, charities sometimes can work in isolation. And I think what was wonderful is that they they realised there was so much work that needed to be done to actually really kind of reduce the stigma as bringing these amazing mental health charities together. Um, and that that them working together has obviously really kind of shifted the dial in the UK um, around raising their profile um, for, for, for the different support that's there. There's um, a really good um, website and app um, that's currently only available in the UK. You still be able to access it, but um, from from the US um, called the Hub of Hope, um, and that's a Android and iOS app. Mm-hmm. And you can also go to the hubofhope.co.uk, and you just put in your location or somebody else's location, and it will provide you um, a, a directory of free and paid for kind of different services um to for mental health mm. um and this signposting of support has is 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 an area that still needs to be um worked on and and maybe you know within the um the notes of this podcast we can then um, include some links for things in the US as well um so i think also the challenge um at the moment has been charities have really filled the gap um offering a lot of support so john and i um ran the london marathon um raising money for a charity called best beginnings and you know we we kind of picked that charity specifically because it supported young parents um in you know the with like a, a baby buddy app and and videos that that dealt with um subjects including postnatal depression and you know for me it's brilliant that these charities exist um but also we need to change our healthcare policies you know we need to get that parity between you know getting help from 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 doctors and 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 professionals and get get that same level that you know i know that if i break my leg it's 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 mapped out exactly the kind of support that I would get and the rehabilitation that I would get from, yeah, having a broken leg to being able to walk again. And for, for mental health, that's still a lottery for people um, when they get ill. And, you know, and that's, that gap is, I feel, is, is too much has been relied on charity to do, to do that work where actually, you know, we should be putting more pressure on the leaders of the world and our... Yeah, like at a local level to get get the support and funding in place there, um, that that we can spot the signs in ourselves. Where I think that's the the saddest thing is where you you know people I know that have spotted they need help, and then they when they go to get help, they're still being told that they've got to wait to get help. Yeah. You know, where if you've broken your leg and they said, oh well, come back in three weeks time, and then we'll be able to put a cast on it. Um, you wouldn't be too pleased about that, but right. we do that. But we do that with mental health. So yeah. charities, yeah, and charities need your help. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's listening, you know, you can make a massive difference. Um, and if you've got lived experience of um, mental illness and um, mental health, even more the better. You know, there's um, there's been a campaign for the last 15 years in the UK called Time to Change, which 
what I absolutely loved about them. They, you know, they want people who've got lived experience of, of mental health and mental illness. So if you've got bipolar or schizophrenia, it, you know, these things that we hide from our resumes and CVs, they're, they're actively saying, we want you. And, yeah. um, and I think that that's, that's really powerful to that for me personally, that's actually, as you were saying earlier, Kara, like I've been able to get, get through this, but actually I've learned a lot of, a lot from that personally, right. uh, that I can use that experience to help others. So, yeah. um, and again, um, yeah, just get, get involved and, you, you know, um, yeah, it's good, good for the soul. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful service. I mean, what I, there's not a, I can't think of any better way to use that, that, that experience, you know, than to, to serve. And, mm. uh, and when you shine that light on it as well, it gives it such purpose where it can feel like, why, why am I going, why am I going through this? Why am I put through this? You know, perhaps it is so that you can come on the other out on the other side and be of service to your brothers and sisters, you know, in the future. So so are there any suggestions that you have for support that people, you know, if they if they want some support, are there is there are there some easy ways for people to get support when they need it? Yeah, so one thing that's been really good that's come out of um Heads Together is that they've supported a service in the UK that actually started in the US, um which is Crisis Text Line. So in the US um, you can, um, from your phone, you can simply um, text the word HOME to 741741 and you'll be connected to a crisis um, counsellor. And so this is available in the US and Canada. Um, and you can, yeah, if you don't want to actually pick up the phone and speak to somebody, I guess we, we spend a lot of the time on the, on the phone kind of texting. Um, it's an incredible service that will put, put you in connect connected with a trained trained counsellor um, and in, in the UK um, the crisis te- te- text line is actually called shout um, and it's um, you text um, the word shout to 85258 um, and, and again you'll be put in contact with a, a trained um, crisis support volunteer and um, yes yeah, so there are lots of ways to get to get to get help but it's mm-hmm. it's yeah it's knowing where to find it. But, um, yeah. yeah, definitely okay. re- recommend. Um, yeah, if you're in the US, um, googling crisis text line, um, this crisis text line dot org, or um, yeah, shout in in the UK. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with me, and thank you for all the amazing work that you're doing. You are just. You're a blessing on this earth. Thank you, John. Thank you, Kara. Thanks so much. Yeah, really good chatting to you today. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for listening. And I look forward to the next meditation conversation.